Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, dedicated to making you a better seller. Recorded 4,827 miles across the Atlantic Ocean with Bobby Das from Houston, Texas, a father, husband, golfer, pilot, and tech seller. And Brian Evans, an expat in London, England, family man, 2X Ironman, and an ERP salesman. Both sharing tried and true sales strategies and providing free tools to make each week and campaign easier for you. They also answer your questions weekly. Now, here is Bobby and Brian. What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How have you been? What have you been up to this past week? Uh, not a whole lot. Just my training. Uh, we can talk about that in a minute. And then trying to come up with a creative idea for Valentine's Day. How about you? Yeah, the same. I think I'm, uh, I think I'm settled on the Valentine's front. Uh, and yeah, about the same. Been, been hitting the bike and the run hard, getting ready for London Marathon and enjoying the structured trainer road workouts uh, while we kind of flip from winter to spring here in uh, London. Yeah, you have uh, created my training plan for the first quarter of the year. Tammy's not quite a marathon uh, avid person just yet, but she has talking about her next one. So we, we're it's still great. doing some long runs. I'm following your training plan. I'm using the trainer, uh, kick or snap for those out there. And because I would like to have more followers on Strava than Brian, please feel free to follow me on Strava and uh, watch my six workouts each week. Yeah, and for those not familiar with Trainer Road that we just referenced, it's like a it's a structured indoor cycling program. So you pick what events or what you're trying to get better at, and then it builds a plan for you. They've got a great podcast. It's a great app if you if you kind of like structured workouts and being able to kind of measure improvements week to week, month to month. It's a it's a great application. Yeah, you know, but my next big ride is uh, the MS150. So it's about a hundred and it's really 180 miles from Houston to Austin. You ride a bike uphill the whole way to Austin. Uh, hopefully not into the wind, but it can happen. But uh, I, much like Trainer Road, I'll talk about my outdoor rides. I love the downside of a hill, but not the upside. Much like Trainer Road, I don't like seeing that big bar coming because I know I'm going to have to really pound it out for two to eight minutes. Uh, so I don't like the upside of a hill and I don't like the upside of a trainer road plan that uh, makes me do too much work. Yeah, so what the what he's referring to here, for those that are, have not used it, is trainer road will, it measures the wattage, the output wattage you use on your bike. And um, you it does intervals. So you may have five minutes going downhill, which basically means it's an easy workout. And then it's three minutes of, all out effort and exertion and then you go back down into a valley of recovering so it's a yeah it's a great program i feel like we're doing a commercial and i think we need to send them an invoice bobby i think so if you want to sponsor us trainer road let us know well with that let's move on and talk about series two let's do it series one was good uh we got a lot of good ideas we got a lot of interaction with a lot of people that know us and a few people that don't know us and hopefully that don't know us list will continue to grow but here we are, Series 2. Tell us a little bit about it, Brian, and uh, what they can expect. Yeah, Series 2 is all about territory planning. Uh, so most companies um, work on a, on a fiscal calendar that matches the calendar year. So you've either just finished this or you're, uh, or you're just starting this. Um, but we're going to spend some time on really the next four weeks 
on how to build out a really effective territory plan. And we, we always talk about averages the enemy. Um, so we're going to talk about some kind of exceptional approaches to uh, building out a great plan. Yeah, so we've done this for a long time, and, and we're hoping to share it with a lot of people. I'm sure everyone's seen the corporate plan and gotten some corporate guidance. That's not how Brian and Bobby think about these things. We think of ourselves as entrepreneurs. Brian, we think, would you agree with that statement that yeah. you're an entrepreneur? Yeah, entrepreneur. I mean, this is effectively, like, I think of the territory plan um, as a business plan. If I'm an entrepreneur and I'm in charge of this business, this is not a, a nine-to-five job that I've signed up for, that I have uh, meek expectations for. This is something that I, um, I I pour a lot into, right? We both put a lot into our jobs, uh, so I can either approach this with, like you said, taking the corporate deck. You know, they, like most companies, the managers will forward out a, a PowerPoint, you know, a 10-slide PowerPoint presentation. Have you received one or two of those, Bobby, over the years? I have a, I have a few, probably a half dozen of those somewhere in my, uh, my online storage that I've had over the years. Sure. Sure. So, you know, you get forwarded the powerpoint deck and and they say okay you're gonna you know we we booked a team meeting in three weeks from today so spend the next few weeks getting your territory plan in order and be prepared to present in front of me your that being your boss and your peers uh so again the, the aim here over the next four episodes of this series of territory planning will be focused on how do you build uh an exemplary uh territory plan um and that territory plan, I mean, sometimes you might be forced into using the corporate deck, but there's a difference between just going through the exercise, which I'm sure we've all seen people do. We've probably done it ourselves for different reasons, but going, sure. through, the, going through the motions, we'll call it, and then really designing a plan that's going to help you blow out your number and accomplish some bigger goals that maybe just aren't making your number. That's what we're talking about here. This is beyond, well beyond average well beyond doing just the motions to getting the, the work done and creating something that you can create, have as a living, breathing document with your team moving forward. Yeah. And so that's, and that really the, I've used the same territory plan effectively for the past five years. It's in a Google sheet. You know how much I love my Google sheets. Mm-hmm. An ex Microsoft um, guy saying that. By the yeah. Way. An ex Microsoft guy. You, hey, it's a, it's a cool product. I'd love to use Excel online. I just need to, I need to get up to speed on it, but it's effective. It, this is a, a living, breathing document for me. I have no use for a PowerPoint presentation uh, that it gets stale and that it's not looked at after a month you know, following your presentation or the next week after your presentation. Not to say that I don't transport some of the tabs, because I do transport some of the tabs from this Google Sheet into a PowerPoint presentation, because it does need to be presentable. Uh, but this, it, you know, in ideal world, this document, this template, this this plan presentation has to be something that you feel comfortable uh, keeping up to date with. Yeah, and it's not, I, I, I like it to saying that I don't keep it up to date for myself because I know yeah. where I'm working. I'm trying to get these other people on my team bought in, following mm-hmm. my lead, going after the similar work motions that I'm going through. Um, so how often do you think you do update this for your team? Um, sometimes it's once a week. Sometimes it's, I'd say in a worst case scenario, it's once a month in a worst case scenario. Yeah. How about you? 
Wow, it depends. Weeks and cycles of a quarter are probably different, but I, I would say I have it up when I'm on my, my, my own rhythm with my team and I'm making those changes in real time. If I find new contacts and I find new activities and I'm going to put those in in real time, then everybody has access to it. I, I'm in a world today where I still use quite a bit of PowerPoint for these quarterly reviews, but I have my my plan, what I would say ex-Microsoft days for me is plan to exceed plan. It's an Excel spreadsheet that has everything that I could possibly get done. It has the number that I want to achieve and how far ahead or behind that number I am. And I'm constantly tracking that, showing each specialist, each SE, kind of the overview of what they can expect from my book of business, my customers, my, my plan. And hopefully they're getting bought in because it, it's meatier than the others. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you're at the end of the day, we're vying for their time, right? Many no times doubt. these whether it's a solution consultant, like whoever is, is uh, on your team, they're, they're generally partnered with other account executives, right? So if we show them a more articulate plan, more well thought out, and we, and we stick to that plan, which we're going to actually spend a lot of time in in the, ne- the second episode of this series, uh, you can get greater mind share from them. And again, we'll, we'll spend more time on that next week. Yeah, so, real uh, quick to that point, yeah. you mentioned that we're buying for their time. You know, what SC wants to work with a guy who asks him to just go do a demo that's not thought through or, hey, go deal with this partner thing or problem because I'm busy doing other things. You know, we want them to feel like they have a purpose and are a part of something bigger and better, too. And that if they spend a little bit more time with us, it's going to hit their pocketbook as well. Yeah. To wrap that piece up, what, what, what do you think makes up a business plan? What's in this magical Google sheet you have, Brian? Well, I'd say there are several ingredients to it, um, and it a lot of times will depend on the role I'm in. But so I've kind of boiled it down to a half dozen key parts to the plan. Um, and on this episode, we're going to spend time on really the first uh, and, and a little bit of the second ingredients of a business plan. So again, we're entrepreneurs here. Um, and this is a business plan. The territory plan is effectively a business plan. So what's in a business plan? You have your mission statements, of course. Uh, Bobby, what would you say is part of a, you know, a, what would you say the most common theme in any mission statement for any account executive is? Uh, an average account executive? An average account executive. Make my number. Make my number. And it seems so bold, right? It seems bold oh, yeah. to say that you want to make your number. So you're really stepping out onto a ledge when you, when you say yeah, that, right? that is... That's, isn't that like the break-even thing in, in the world of business? Like if just everyone made their number? I mean, maybe we're growing by 10 or 20%, but right. yeah, it, it's uh, a little lackluster for sure. Yeah, if, if on your earnings calls, if you're a publicly traded company, on in your earnings call, you say, yeah, we want to we want to make our forecasted, uh, we want to make our forecasted number. Um, yeah, expect. They might expect. like it if you forecasted 150% growth every quarter, but yeah, right, it's right. lackluster. It's lackluster for sure. So. Mission. So I, I think we're kind of painting what we'll be speaking about later in this episode, which is being bold in your mission statement. Uh, the second ingredient, Bobby, I talk um, is the market analysis. This tends to be a little bit more transactional, um, but the market analysis is just uh, you know you you live in Houston. Houston's gone. Houston, while while it's a very it's a center for global headquarters for many companies. 
it's just undergone a lot of economic challenges with the floods, I'm sure. I don't know what no, kind no, of yeah. impact that's had globally. But I was thinking about that the other day as I'm wrapping up my ear. I'm like, you know, yeah. I never saw any quota relief. And we were down <laughs> for like a month. And then businesses didn't spend anything for a month. I should get a little bit of help from that. But I doubt I'll see any of that. Yep. So market analysis is more of a transactional thing. But it's just you have to be attuned into what, you know, where your business resides, what external economic factors play into that we've got brexit going on here uh it's it's on the front page of the newspaper every single day in london so and what about remember this little thing that was i think we were working together when it became a really big deal but this thing called socks hit the market and any tech seller that's been around for 10 years knows how much money went into socks and we all had a three-year runway man that would be something that i would have in my market analysis if there was some regulation coming down the pipe that I had the opportunity to sell a bunch of stuff around it. Um, that would also be something that would be a big piece of my market analysis. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and the third piece, third piece of it is, uh, tends to be the more interactive piece. And again, we'll spend really most, if not all of the next episode on this is your execution plan with your team. So, uh, whether you're chasing a broad territory with hundreds of prospective customers or a narrow territory with, you know, three very large customers or somewhere in between that you're going to market with teammates and you need to know what are the strengths and the, and the gaps of those teammates. How are you going to manage this journey? How are you going to, um, what kind of marketing plan are you going to have? How are you going to interact with partners? Um, there's this, this approach you have with this team, um, and, and how do you make the most of that? So we'll spend a lot of time on that in the next episode, uh, getting prepared for that. And all of those people should be focused on building your pipeline and funnel, which it will be the fourth bullet. If, if we haven't been clear, we obviously have some visuals, but this, this business plan should be covered by a mission, a market analysis, an execution plan, and a pipeline funnel component that then has your sales cycle highlighted and then asks of the business. That, that would be the business plan. But... That, those, yep. that execution plan that Brian just spoke of that will be talked about in episode two or three of this series then drives a pipeline funnel. Businesses have a, a, a metric, sometimes two to one, sometimes two and a half or three to one, of what p- pipeline you need or what funnel your, your funnel needs to look like so that you can actually reach your goals. And all the work that anybody on your V team is doing should be driving some of that funnel for you. And then it should map up to a sales cycle, a process by which helps you move it from a prospect to a solution that's going to solve the customer's business need to negotiation phase and so on. Yep. And like I said, we'll spend a lot of time on that in that really the second episode and the third episode of this series. So Bobby, let's talk about what we're going to deliver. Uh, so I hope everyone enjoyed the deliverables we had, uh, the free stuff that we had in the first series. We got a lot more free stuff coming. Uh, these are things, some of this is um, unique. We've put it together because of things that we've thought through for this series. Some of it's stuff you and I have used for years. Uh, but let's talk through a few of these. So uh, the first one that you'll notice today listed in the show notes, uh, it's on our tools page. Uh, that's, so that's bobbyandbrian.com slash tools is the territory planning checklist. This is effectively the business plan. This is basically what we've done is articulated what um, what the ingredients are for a successful business plan. And this will be the first deliverable for the series. Yep. And then we'll also share a 
partner visualization. This is something that I've used for years, uh, working at big vendors with lots of partners and resellers. It's something easy to communicate. What is your territory? And that visualization for me today, I, I manage eight enterprise accounts in Houston. I, there are eight logos. And when someone says, what accounts do you cover? I hand them this visualization. When I had a broader breadth type territory, it would, I had a, a zip to rep tool and some other things. We're, we'll provide these tools to make you be able to communicate with your partners and people that you work with on a regular basis. Really, what is your realm of responsibility as it relates to the customers? Yep, agreed. And, and again, it's if you can get mindshare and focus from your uh, your virtual team um, and, and you can be more prepared than the next guy, you're going to get better mindshare in those accounts. Uh, so the third deliverable we'll have is a pipeline plan. So this will be a tool. Um, it's kind of a hybrid of what Bobby and I have used for years. It's a little bit of what he's done, a little bit of what have I done to measure out where your opportunities are today and what you need to do, what, what kind of pipeline you need to get to your actual number for the full fiscal year. So this will be kind of uh, more of an Excel or Google Sheets, if you prefer, way of managing your, your territory pipeline. And if, if you don't think you need this, that stuff, maybe that one specifically. I'll challenge the listeners. If you don't know what your average deal size is and how many deals you need to get to your number at the top of your mind, like you just know that math right off, then you need a tool like this. And this tool is going to help you understand just how many deals you need, what scale and size they need to be. And then really, where are they in that sales cycle? To Which ones do we need to do some work on? Which ones are kind of better down that sales cycle? Yeah, Once, and I don't... Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I, I don't think I had a full appreciation of this until I became a sales manager and then got back to being a rep. Because you, you see it, you see the business differently when you're dealing with volumes and you know the what kind of broad pipeline you need to get to a territory, like a, a group number. And then so when I, when I went from sales manager and then to doing uh, large enterprise type sales, uh, back as an individual contributor, um, I came in with a whole new appreciation of what that, of what those multiples needed to look like. Now, I, good thing you brought that up. I mean, I, I probably was the same way for me going from manager back to rep again and understanding that it, as I communicated better to that manager and armed him with the information yeah. he needed, that he would be better off. One of the things that I always did as a manager that I saw very few other managers do was also measure that on the deals, not the big broader number. You know, if people call 10 deals, and that's a million dollars as an example, average deal size, 100,000. And yep. then they end up closing out that quarter with a million dollars in 10 deals. But they weren't any of the 10 deals they were talking to me about at the beginning of the quarter. They did not do a very good job running their business. And right. I think that's something you have to hold yourself accountable to. So that, that tool will be much more powerful than it sounds, uh, but it, it, some you'll use. After that, we're going to put all together in one big shiny deck so that if you have to use a deck, uh, you'll have the full deck of all the materials that we've provided. What else is coming, Brian? Yeah, so we're still, this is still a work in progress, the territory research tool. So we talked about some, there's kind of the core blocking and tackling of you've got a territory, it's in a certain region, and you need to know data points about this region. So um, instead of having to uh, shoot in the dark and find the strengths and weaknesses of a particular market, we've got a tool coming that will help simplify that. I'll, leave, I'll probably just leave that there until we finalize it. Yep, and then the, the it, hopefully you saw Prospect 360 from our first series and, and are either thinking of using it or coming up with your own way to do that stuff. We also 
are going to give something away at the end of this series or, or thought process around Territory 360. And Brian and I don't do all this work ourselves. We outsource a lot of the things we're doing around our own stuff that can be outsourced. And we're going to give you a means by which you can use our people and our tools and our mechanisms to get all that data from your territories as well, much like Prospect 360 works. Territory, Territory 360 will work in a very similar way. That's great. So, so expect those types of deliverables. We'll um, have this in the show notes following each episode. They'll be in the services part of our website, bobbyandbrian.com slash services, and also bobbyandbrian.com slash tools. So let's get so, started. Yeah, let's do it. So first section is uh, mission. And I, you know, I think that this becomes, to your point earlier, your comment earlier about an average account executive saying, my mission is to hit quota this year. Such a big, bold statement. I, I'd say, here's the thing. Maybe you put that on your deck and you present it to your teammates and you present it to your manager that way. Fine. Do that if you are afraid of uh, being too bold and too assertive and you don't want to get made fun of in front of your peers. Totally fine. But if that's the truth, what are we really doing here? Agreed. What, what, what? what are we really doing here? As you say that, something jumped to my mind. Do you remember when I was your manager at Microsoft, probably one of our first one-on-ones? Do you have any idea what your big, bold statement was to me and what you wanted? Um, yeah, it's the same thing I say to every manager I've ever said um, in any job I've ever had, is that if I'm not the number one person on your team, then I want you to call me and tell me why I'm not. Like, where am I missing? Yep. And that's not average. Number sure. one's not average for sure. Sure. And, and what it does is it like it it certainly puts weight on my shoulders, right? Because I've signed up for something pretty big. Um, it's also put some weight on your shoulders too, right? Because <laughs> if if you were afraid to give feedback, which you never, I don't think anyone's ever accused you of that, have they? I don't think. No, no, that's not <laughs> one of those. No. So if you were afraid to give feedback, and I laid that on your shoulders, uh, you might be inclined to put something on your calendar to, to deliver a little feedback for me to say I'm not up to, up to the task. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Freeze up the manager to give you that feedback, which is what you want, so you can be better, so you can get to number one, no question. That's right. That, the other thing, I think, that's in, in a one-on-one employee manager, but the other thing that these big, bold statements begin to do, and you've probably experienced this, is the other people on your team start feeling inadequate and they I've, I've been in a point where i've been made fun of or picked on and said you know hey quit trying to be the superstar dude take a chill pill we we don't want to all have to work that hard right what would how would you respond to that well um in a roundabout way i think anyone that's been a top performer has received these type of comments right sure um i don't know i'm pretty dismissive of that kind of stuff i don't have a lot of and i think people know that i don't have a lot of patience or tolerance for it so yeah I, it's just it's again like we you could pick a job that's easier that doesn't have the pressure that this job has and fine do that because there are some great jobs out there but if you're if you're going to do this the economic opportunity um, exceeds most career types so why not if you're going to invest this kind of hours and 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 take this kind of risk why not make the most of it so and it's i think it's Again, you, you have to you have to ignore your peer 
account executives, you have to ignore their weak plans. And some of them may be great plans, by the way. They're not all going to be weak plans. I mean, there's going to be a group of you that are top performers. And um, and those are great people to um, to partner with to kind of help develop strategies further, too. Sure. Um, I look at it. Yep, go ahead. I was just going to say, what if, I mean, not everyone's as goal-oriented as you and I. What if what if someone happens to be not goal-oriented? What if they... What if they were to say, look, I don't even know what bold statements make. I don't know. I don't create goals for myself. What would you say to a rep that's listening to this podcast? Well, I maybe dream a little bit big. I So, yeah, I've had people. I, so, you, as we expressed, I'm an expat. I am from Texas. I live in Windsor. I keep saying London. That's where my office is, is in London. Um, it, you know, that's not a, t- a traditional thing you might put on your... Uh, on your territory plan that you aspire to do that. But you, it's it's about um, maybe you want to be, uh, how many AEs have come up to you, Bobby, over the years that maybe would, at, at a, they would comma this by saying, I don't have big, bold aspirations. But the first statement they may say is, I want to be a first-line sales manager. I've heard that a, a number of times, sure. Yeah, so I think it doesn't necessarily have to be 100% driven around doing a 1,000% of your quota. Um, it can be explore other areas too. Do you want to be a sales manager? Do you want, maybe you're in the medium enterprise sales space and you want to move into government or education sales. Um, maybe you live in Texas and you want to live in Chicago. Um, it's just being a bit thoughtful about what, it, what do I want to do this year? You know, aside from hitting 100% plus of my number, how am I going to develop myself to take that next step in my career. Yeah, and I, I honestly thought you may say, tell they, that person may need to stop listening to our podcast. <laughs> if, if they have no goal orientation whatsoever, they probably need to think about what they, how are they going to accomplish the things they're going to accomplish. We'll talk about it later, but it's actually episode two, but you are a virtual sales manager. I mean, if you have no goals, how are you going to hand out your, your quota to the people that are working on your virtual team? But it could be a it could be a real problem. But if not, like you said, it doesn't have to be necessarily short or sales specific. It could be career specific. It could be outside of work specific. It could be international specific. There could be other big bold things you want to tee up and ask for and ask for help with so that you can accomplish those things. Yep. So Bobby, when I at Microsoft's um I worked for you as an account executive. You were the sales manager for the region. Um and then I wanted to, to take whenever you announced that you were going to leave Microsoft, I wanted to take your role. So um, there were some things that I was obviously doing in the background, which we'll get to. But there are some things that you helped me with. What types of things did you help me with to get prepared for that? Well, there are a number of things. But I think the, the big thing that I was thinking about was trying to get you ready for all the conversations you were going to have with other yep. leaders to, to make those as good as they could be. Uh, yep. and, and make those people see you as the leader that I knew you could be uh, to fill my shoes. It, was, it wasn't that you weren't capable. You hadn't had those experiences. So what we tried to do in the last two, three weeks that I was there was expedite your experience around those conversations so that you'd be ready uh, for any meeting that would come your way, with whether it be a GM or a VP or whoever, to see if you were ready to take on that role. Yeah, and it was all about... I wanted to prove to your boss, the the general manager of the region, that I was capable of doing the job before I got the job. 
And that was a very specific thing in my mission statement. Uh, at the time, it wasn't called a mission statement, but it was my goal. It was my number one goal was to be a sales manager, even if I had to move out of region. So I was taking classes at SMU, which is just a private college uh, in North Texas. I was uh, reading books that uh, you and our general manager were handing out to me. I was taking on stretch assignments, but everything fed back to this goal I had of, of getting that first line manager role. Then to tie off on this one first bullet, I guess you missed your number because you were doing all that? I did not miss my number. <laughs> I've not missed my number in any full year in my history of sales. Congratulations. I can only talk, <laughs> I can only, I can't say that. I can speak to only doing it as a sales rep once. Uh, and it was a, a very bad economic year, but I, I should have yeah. still done it. And only one time as a sales manager, and that was on a $220 million goal. Um, there was 3x my peers across the country. So a little bit of a steep hill to climb, but I, I still should have delivered. Uh, 88%, 89% wasn't good enough for me either. So, But it, it is a point to be made that your job as a sales rep is still to sell. It is to make your number, but we're not talking about that because that's what average reps do. We're talking about building a business plan, creating a mission statement that talks about what you're going to do well beyond the average. Agreed, agreed. Um, so this all leads into what could be a goal for, and this, this would be one of the, I would put this in the category of one that people don't um, talk about externally very often too, but maybe this is an income goal. Bobby, have you ever had an income goal for a year? Uh, you might not have ever not made your number. I have had an income goal every year, of my, <laughs> probably since I was 15 and I worked at Burger King, which is a little fast food hamburger joint. Yeah, I've had some sort of an income goal for sure. Yeah, and, and again, you picked this job, you picked this industry. You could have continued staying a, uh, a beat cop in Houston, but you, you picked this job. Uh, did you don't really just want to earn a base salary and move on with things? No, I, and I didn't. I don't want to work extra jobs ever again, directing traffic or any of that. But yeah, so my income goal every year starts with a comp plan that my company lays forth, and then I devise a plan that helps work in the confines of that comp plan. But there's a way to exceed those goals always. In, in a sales role, yeah. there's always there's there's spiffs. Um, I'm selling some specific things right now for the benefit of my company and my customer, but I'm, I have a job, my, that focus, and that, if I focus on that in the next 15 days, I get a 1.3 multiplier on anything that I sell that's in this specific bucket. That's going to drive my behavior, but it would benefit me to focus on that. So I take those types of, of things my company gives me and then and put them into, a, and into an income goal yep. and figure out, how do I get to that goal? And quite frankly, it almost always gets beyond that initial goal. Um, it's definitely not to make the plan. It's always more than that. And then if I find a way to continue to maximize these benefits, spiffs, whatever, accelerators, then I can, I can sometimes really exceed that in any given year. Yeah, and I think anyone that knows us knows that we are math guys, that we're spreadsheet guys. So I don't expect that everyone has put together some sort of spreadsheet that knows down to the dollar of what the commission is going to be on a specific deal. Um, but I, we hope that you can use this, um, in this spreadsheet that we'll be delivering over the course of the series to then build out your own specific multipliers so that you do, if you, if, if it, you do have a goal of achieving a certain level of income that you can use some of our tools, uh, 
to help measure what would what would it take to have a blowout year? Maybe it's your, you know, maybe it's a goal to have a half million dollar year or a million dollar year. Um, and we have yeah, I do I do this stuff. too often, but the, uh, maybe we can just create a lightweight income goal tool that we could share with them so that yep. they could have something to go on and they can maybe expand on it or build a bigger one. Um, for those listening, Brian talks about being math guys. I guarantee you his spreadsheet shows two decimal points. Uh, so he knows 100%. his down to the down to the penny. Um, but we'll come up with something, maybe not this week or the next week, but we'll come up with something so that you guys can see what we're talking about as it relates to a, a comp plan and then some income goals and how you work back into that. Um, quite frankly, I use it, and maybe it's not the right place, Brian. Please correct me if, if we need to move on, but... I use it to decide how much my time's worth. I mean, if yeah. I have, if I'm going to go on a meeting, and a partner wants me to go on a meeting, and let's say my math, that income goal tells me that to do that, I need three x pipeline, and for that three x pipeline to close ten thousand dollars worth of business, I need to may be getting about forty thousand dollars an hour in pipeline for my customer time that I have, and then we'll say that's thirty two hours a week. Well. I ain't going on that meeting if I don't feel yeah. confident that I can generate $40,000 worth of pipeline. No, it would be I a waste it. of time. It would miss my goal. I miss, miss the goal. Yeah, and if you're, if you're being true to what it is you're looking to measure, that's, that's, uh, it will help you come to those sort of conclusions and outcomes every time. For sure. Uh, the last thing that we'll talk about here, and we'll be brief on this because we do have a, a tool coming later in the series, is market analysis. Um, so... This is the type of stuff, again, it's more commodity. You need to know what economic situation your territory is going through. You need to know uh, at what stage uh, in the development cycle are your buyers in now. You know, I, I remember very distinctly when Microsoft announced that they were going to start hosting email. Um, and I, I remember the sales kickoff like it was yesterday. And I remember thinking, what an odd thing that we were going to start doing. We we're going to start hosting email. It turns out it's ubiquitous, right? Everyone in the world is an Office 365 customer with Microsoft. Um, but it, it shows just at a very high level the, the planning that went in at, at Microsoft's level back, gosh, that was probably eight years ago, nine years ago, to uh, make an assessment of where buyers are and where they would be over a period of time. Uh, so you need to understand those types of things because they will certainly impact uh how you're able to achieve your quota, who you're going to be targeting, and so forth. So these are, uh, again, more commodity-type things, um, and they're going to be true for many. Um, that's why we tend to outsource these types of things. Yeah, but so let's let's dive a little bit deeper, if you don't mind. we got we got another five or ten minutes in our allotted time frame for ourselves here. You know, how many days a week, Brian, do you check the price of oil? I, zero days a week. How many times do you think I check the price of oil? <laughs> and, and it really is yeah. those simple things. So I'm in yeah. Houston. Brian's yep. in Windsor. Um, he sees a lot on the, the currency and the money they're going to use in the future to, to, to spend. But sure. in Houston, oil and gas is 95% of what I focus on. Sure. And the price of oil drives a lot of behavior. But if you, if you for whatever reason, haven't noticed... Gas is really cheap because oil's been way, way down for about the last four and a half, five years, and it's really never came back. So they're taking oil out of the ground now, In most businesses are taking oil out of the ground for the first time in four and a half years and making a profit by getting it out of the ground. Well, that's leading 
to some spending in our customers, which obviously some of that's on IT as IT continues to age. You as a seller, you someone as someone who's above average needs to know one, two, three things that you can watch that are leading indicators of when people are going to spend money. I would bet today, without making much of a business plan, if oil was $80 a barrel, that I would make my number next year, no questions asked. Yeah. Because they've foregone so long their IT investments that they would have so much more cash to spend because of that influx in the price per barrel that it would be time to really go. Now, my my, my managers would probably not be stupid and just give me a free ride either. My quota would definitely go up. But I would have a real shot at doing some serious good for my customers and my company if oil was that. So what other things might impact your individual business, all the listeners out there? Uh, and likewise, Brian, like what's one thing you're really looking at at your customers from a market analysis perspective to say, I got a shot? We yeah, did, I mean, we did some stuff looking at financials. If the line's going straight down and they're not making any net margin, <laughs> we probably aren't going to sell them much. But that's that's more of the individual research. What about the market would tell you that you think about from Windsor and or London's perspective, Brian? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the number one thing I'm looking at, and I we read this in business journals, we read this um, in the financial markets. Uh, you can watch it on Bloomberg. But I'm looking for. Um, I'm looking for trends of investments in midsize and large companies uh, with growth equity. So if uh, we, what I sell as a, as a premium product on the market and companies generally only buy that product whenever they are looking to scale their growth, when they're looking to grow their top line revenue without growing their back office. If they're not looking to grow and if the market is not supporting growth with investments, they're not gonna buy my product it's not going to be valuable to them. It's not going to help them get a return on investment. So uh, Bloomberg is constantly on, uh, constantly reading the papers um, and market analysis around that. Good stuff. And again, just for those listening, you guys should find something in your market, whether you're healthcare, state and local government, if you're an education seller, you should know the rules and the tricks and the things that are going on in education uh, to be able to stay in front of all that market analysis as well. So as we wrap this episode, we've talked about really all the things that make up that business plan. We dove into the first and second bullet of that business plan, mission and market analysis. What can they expect in the next episode? Yeah, this is a fun one, this next one. Uh, It's communicating your plan and really working together with your extended team um, and your management team to communicate that plan. Um, so be a lot of good interaction. Our extended teams uh, carry a lot of great, valuable information. Uh, a lot of the solution consultants and functional experts that uh, you and I a partner with have been in the industry uh, just as long, if not longer, than the two of us. Uh, so they bring some incredible information to the table. And there's a lot around that pipe, uh, that partnership that we're going to talk about. And then yeah, my- there's... Yep. One big Sorry, tease for me. One big tease for me is yep. I think we're going to talk about and ho- hopefully show you a way or a thought process around how you can help your manager set your quota and maybe keep that quota at a reasonable level. So look at that as one of the teaching parts from me as you extend and communicate that plan up through your manager. Yep. And then the final points on the next episode will be around communicating your plan to management. So it's, it's kind of all about uh, calling your shot and then hitting your shot. That's great. Well, as always, you can stay in touch with Bobby and Brian by visiting our website, www.bobbyandbrian.com. 
You can also follow us on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales. Check out our YouTube channel. Search for Bobby and Brian, Bobby Brian Sales there. And same thing on Facebook. Send us an email, info at bobbyandbrian.com. Stay in touch, and as always, average sucks. Average is the enemy. Till next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show with Bobby and Brian. Subscribe to their email list by going to bobbyandbrian.com and follow them on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales. <laughs>